from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. It's the 10 o'clock hour here on the G and Ursula Show. The gang is almost all here. Chef is here. Good morning to you, brother. Thank you for being here today on Dr. King's birthday. Nick, good morning to you, brother. A new week, brother. What's you up, man? You got it. And coming up tomorrow at 9 a.m., Ursula will be back. The return of Ursula happens tomorrow at 9 a.m. Hey, get ready for that. It's going to be a party. Coming up at 1030, question, how do you motivate your partner to change their eating habits? Ooh, we we could be getting into some trouble right there. But right now, it is a good time to talk about what has gone on the last week in sports here locally. Can I spoil the suspense for your 1030 segment? Sure the easiest answer of all time. What's that? There's only one way and one way only. Hi, I'm Mike Saul from Brock and Salk Show. G's about to introduce me. You guys know me. Yeah. The only way yeah. to get your partner to change their eating habits okay. is like this. Hey, honey, I've been thinking that I would like to change my own eating habits, and I think it's going to be really hard, but I'd like to try XYZ. I'm really worried about how it would go for me if you're eating the way you've been eating, the way we've been eating, and I'm not doing it, you know, and, and I, I can't eat that. Would you be willing to do it with me to make it easier for me? So you're lying. Not lying. You have to do it with her or her or him. <laughs> like you have to do it too. Right. But the only way to do it is to ask if they will help you do it together. Okay. Other than that, you're toast. <laughs> Sounds like something that a friend of yours may have done. No. I think this came up and answered the question jerk back in the day, but it just that's the only way to do it. You okay. have to volunteer to do it together. Right. It's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you're just asking for a major problem. I got yeah. this treadmill for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't work as well with the treadmill, but it would work with a gym. Like, hey, I'd really like to start going to the gym. Will you be my gym partner? I'd really like to start eating better. Will you do it with me? That's the only way to do it. Yeah, for some reason, I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to get in trouble next segment. But but since you're here, I do want to give one part of the induction. Mike Salk is from the Brock and Salk Show, the best sports station in the country. You hear that show weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. Mike Salk. It has been a crazy week in sports here locally. Starting off with Pete Carroll is no longer the head coach after 14 seasons for the Seattle Seahawks. And then the C- then Kalen DeBoer, he is gone from UW and he leaves for Alabama. And then Jed Fish is gone from Arizona and he comes to UW. Can you help us make sense of everything going yeah, on? Yeah, absolutely. Where do you it's, want so, to start? it's so funny when you ask me that because I, I often will get questions or comments from, I think, people who are Cairo type listeners who are not sports obsessed but like sports. Yeah. And will say things like, oh, man, what a crazy week. You must be so busy this week. And I'm like, well, no. Actually, this week's easy. This week, I walk right in. I got a million things to talk about. It's easy. I'm busy when you're not bothering to listen to me because you're not that into sports. And I still have to do a show and come up with something to talk about. That's when it's hard. That's when I'm busy. Oh, coach got fired. Coach leaves for Alabama. New coach in. That's a piece of cake. That doesn't take any work at all. That's just thinking and talking. But, um, yeah, I mean, we talked a lot last week about the Pete Carroll thing, you know, 
We had a great interview with Pete on Friday. We sat down for about 45 minutes with the coach. Uh, if you missed any of it, honestly, I recommend go go listen to the whole thing at seattlesports.com on the Brock and Salt podcast page because it's really good. And Pete let his guard down, was very open, very honest, talked about why he's not here anymore. And it was a combination of a few things. One, they lost their edge running the ball. He was very clear about that and sort of the end of the Russell Wilson era and into the next two years. They didn't run the ball as much as they needed to, and they didn't play good enough defense. And those two things are Pete Carroll staples. He also made it pretty clear that this decision was made by non-football people. And by that, he meant Jody Allen. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that means or why they're, you know, what he wanted to do that she didn't want to do. He wouldn't tell us. Um, but he did say that they had a difference of opinion on how to fix it. Pete said he wanted to fix it all the way, not part way. My impression, just based on hearing him say that, was Pete wanted to move on from his two coordinators. And Jody said, no, you've had enough coordinators. That's not going to work. So that's my gut. I don't have any evidence of that. Just my gut. Because that would have been, I think, the way to fix this as all the way as he could have. And then if that's what he was going to do, well, you're not going to tell anybody that afterwards because you don't want to bury those guys and make them look bad. So um, I don't know what they're going to do next. I would like for them to go get Jim Harbaugh. I know that makes a lot of Seahawks fans mad. Uh, we had somebody text the show today and refer to him only as Harbarf, which I think is very funny, but right. not in a good way. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh's got juice. Pete had juice. Some of the other candidates out there don't have a ton of juice. Dan Quinn, who's sort of the big leading name, you know, he's a defensive coordinator with the Cowboys. I don't know if you got a chance to watch them yesterday, but they almost gave up 50 points to a Green Bay team that had its quarterback making his first start ever in the playoffs. One thing about Cairo listeners, they just, one thing, it's different because you guys over there in the sports side, you guys get a little analytical. You go deeper right. into the conversations. What we over here want to know, we just want to know, will the Seahawks win? So here's what we mean by that. Mm. Whoever the next coach is, can we be, will it be a feeling of, hey, they're back to winning again? Ask me again when they find the next coach. Honestly, I, I don't know. Is it is it easy to make a transition from a no. guy that's been there for 14 seasons and automatically come in and just like, hey, here's going to be how things happen? Or should we expect a little turbulence? Is this what I a think pilot? it's very, very hard. Okay. I think it's very hard, and I'm sure you know as well, and you know what that building is like. How did the, how did the transition go after Mike Holmgren? rough right it was a year of of Jim Mora it was a rough year and that's what ended up leading to Pete Carroll hopefully the goal for John Schneider here is to not have it go as poorly as that Mm -hmm. to bring in the right guy but that means someone who understands culture and leadership and then has the ability to hire the folks around him to X's and O's scheme your way to success so that's one side of the story the other side of the story is what's happening at Washington. And I know there's a lot of very upset Husky fans, understandably, who watch their coach take them all the way to a national championship game. And then it just felt like the rug gets pulled right out from under you. You find out that, oh, my gosh, we're right there. We're one of the leading contenders. We're one of the big programs in the country. Oh, wait, no, we're not. Oh, oh, as soon as we get good, our guy leaves and goes to Alabama. Some of that is unique. Alabama is probably the single biggest, most obsessed college football venue in the country, right? I mean, there's two or three that maybe are there with it, but certainly nowhere cares more than they do in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So when when he goes to replace Nick Saban, that's a pretty unique job. 
But unfortunately, it comes in a cycle where there weren't a ton of, you know, big name candidates there looking to replace him. Mm-hmm. And so they go to Arizona and get a Jed Fish who's been here before. He was uh, Pete Carroll's quarterback coach for a year. He's been just about everywhere. He's coached with Belichick and Harbaugh and McVay. Steve Spurrier and McVeigh. I mean, he really has been just about everywhere, which is good. He's learned a lot of different things. But then also you wonder, why has he been in so many places? Yeah. Why hasn't he been able to fit? So it'll be a unique transition there okay. as well. Let me uh, let me kind of go back up for a little bit. And I want to talk about Kalen DeBoer leaving here. Did he recruit Baby G at all, by the way? Kalen DeBoer? No, Jed Fish. Yes, he did. Yes, when he was. What were your impressions uh, of him? He's an offensive mind, right? He's a real big-time offensive mind. This was back in 2017. Where was he then? He was at UCLA. He okay. was the. Jim Moore was the head coach. He worked for Jim Moore. He worked for oh, so Jim Moore. So he learned Moore. what not to do. <laughs> yes. So he was the head coach. And look, I always thought, look, he's a quarterback's coach. When I, you know, I remember him. I used to clean his car mm-hmm. when he was here in 2010 as a quarterback's coach for Matt Hasselbeck and those guys. It was Pete's first year. I remember him then. And of course, got to remember him in 2017. Saw what he did with McVay in 2018 and 19 as an offensive assistant. This dude is an offensive mind, and UW should be happy to have that because that's where the game is going. Mm. A lot of things are heading towards the offensive side of the thing. Now, but real quick, something stands out to me. Yeah. And there are Husky fans that can give this argument of, wait a minute, what do people mean that we aren't a great destination to be, a top destination to be, when we, the team, has been to the college football playoffs twice in the last eight years, Mm -hmm. 2016, Mm -hmm. and of course what we just saw recently. So we see that happen. Is this going to be a place where coaches will come here and then look for it to be a place to go somewhere else? Or can this be a final destination for some of these elite top coaches that are wanted? Depends on the coach. Right for Chris Peterson, it was. For Kalen DeBoer, it wasn't. My guess is if Jed Fish has a tremendous amount of success here with no real allegiance to the Northwest, yeah. it won't be for him either because mm-hmm. we've seen how quickly he jumps from job to job. And we know that Florida is his alma mater, and that's another premier program. And if Florida becomes available, he'd be an obvious choice if he has success here to head southeast and go to Florida. So I think the answer is that's kind of what it means to be a Tier 2 program. And I think there are some Husky fans who hear tier two and get upset and say, what? No, we're tier one. Well, I don't mean that there's only two or three tiers. There might be 10 tiers. Tier two is pretty darn good. Tier one might be only a handful of schools in the country, right? I'm talking about Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan and Georgia, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I don't maybe there's four or five, you know, a couple of others that are right there at the top. They can absolutely retain coaches and people forever and ever until until they they retire. Mm-hmm. So, but I Washington to me would be in the very next rung underneath that, where yeah, you have the opportunity and the resources to get to college football playoffs and championships, but you may not have quite as much passion around your program as they do at those four or five schools, and that keeps you from being able to keep everybody forever. That might mean your top fifteen. In term top ten, top fifteen in terms of you know qual overall desirability of your program, but unfortunately in this case there's a difference from being top ten, top fifteen, and being top two or three. Can I ask you a question about that? Because it's not just it's not just like the passion of the local fan base or the tradition of the program. 
It's about money. The reports well, I'm but seeing. Those two things are connected. Sure. But I mean, well, it no, comes no, down no, to money, sure. right? It, those two things are connected. Okay. There's more money in Seattle than in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, but they're also willing to double Kalen DeBoer's salary to like 8.2 million and per year without that? bonuses. And why is that? Because people care about because football. Of the and yeah, they're they're able to spend it, the money. It, it is fan passion. Do you, just, do you think people here in Western Washington would accept a head football coach making ten million dollars a year, a hundred million dollar contract? Well, I mean, they were set to offer Kalen DeBoer nine, something pretty nine, close. Four, to that. They were set to offer yeah. nine point four, and they would have said, yeah. I mean, they, they're gonna they just offered Jed Fish seven seven five for seven years my goodness. So, I mean, yeah i mean there's a lot of money being spent in college football now you also see what it does to college admissions there's this and, and this drives me nuts but it, but it drastically changes the number of people that want to go to your school oh so you mean it will be more competitive for local students tuition won't go down and the university will still be putting out more money well, i guess for what you would say program. is UW gets the pick of more students. They get the opportunity to bring in the best of the best as opposed to the best of the rest. How could that possibly be framed as a good thing for the university? You don't want the university to be a better school? University of Washington is an incredible academic institution. And the idea that it's not as good an academic institution as Michigan is. It's I'm not sorry, as good what? as UNC is. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's not Harvard. I mean, like, it's a good academic institution. But UW it's not is a, world class. And it's not as good as Michigan, and it's not as good as UNC yeah. or Duke or a few other public schools that, you know, it's not ranked number one in the public university list. If we're using the U.S. News and World Reports as a proxy for the are. excellence of an education, of course we I are. have some news for you, because uh, they buy they buy and pay for those rankings, first of all. No, and and I mean, you know what number one means? Hardest to get into. Not best quality instruction, hardest to get into. It doesn't mean that. That's one of the categories in it, and there's a whole bunch of different categories that they put together. U.S. News and World Report isn't perfect, but it's what we use. It is, it is what we use. We are joined here by Mike Salk from the Brock and Salk Show. A couple of things I want to get into. One, and by the way, that's not a shot at UW. It's an unbelievable institution. But you're saying it can't get better? Of course it can get better. Yeah. And more competition is a good thing. Well, as we're talking about this, one, I just want to say this. I said this three months ago about Kalen DeBoer. The man should get a $100 million contract then. Mm. Should have signed him then. Text line lit up. Shouldn't do it. Here we are today, and he's gone. Two, we also want to know, what's this going to mean for winning? Husky fans want to know, like, does this mean? They had the 43rd recruiting class mm. coming in this season, coming up. That's the Kalen DeBoer. They left that. So it's like it's like leaving your apartment, and you know how you're supposed to clean the place up and get your deposit back? They didn't even clean the place. The place is 43rd recruiting class coming right. in. Can they get back to yeah, winning? Absolutely. Even, and even going to the because Big here, Yeah, and because here's the weirdness of this whole thing. While yeah. Kalen DeBoer leaves and a bunch of his players you know, declare for the NFL and a bunch of others decide to jump into the transfer portal and leave and go somewhere else, the moment Jed Fish signs up, guess what? All his players from Arizona and guys that he's worked with other places are like, oh, well, I want to go join him. And they got a pretty good young quarterback oh, yes, down there do. in Arizona. No Fafita. Yeah, that kid's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yes, you, think, yes. you don't think there's a good chance he's going to be showing up here in Washington pretty soon? I think he will. Seems pretty darn likely. Now, speaking of that, because I know on your side, you guys talk a lot about this. You got your partner, Brock Heward, who was a quarterback for this team. Now, Washington Husky fans are very upset with Kalen DeBoer for mm-hmm. leaving. Are they equally as upset with Jed Fish for leaving Arizona? 
Yes, they're very angry at Jedfish for okay. leaving Arizona. Why okay. wouldn't they be? <laughs> no, of course not. Because okay. it's about you know them, and I don't blame them for that. I mean, they're fans. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You're supposed to be angry at somebody for leaving. You're supposed to hate the enemy. Yeah. And then when somebody comes in to be your guy, you embrace them as your guy. Yeah, I'm not. I you know I'm not going to rip fans for that. I'm they want e- everyone to be loyal to their I'm school and say the best things about yeah. their city and their town. Like. That's but what are we being gonna, a sports fan is. But Mike Salk, are we going to get better with the understanding of coaches leaving or no. kids leaving in the transfer portal? No, and, and I got to tell you, you know, Brock and I have argued for over a decade about paying kids in college, and I feel strongly yeah. that college students should be compensated for what they do in, in sports, given the amount of money that is made off their backs. I just think it is unfair to make as much money as the schools and the networks do off of a product that is not paid. They got words for that and they're not nice ones. That being said, this transfer portal thing allowing every kid to go wherever they want every year, that's not sports. No sport functions like that. The NFL doesn't function like that. Major League Baseball doesn't function like that. You have contracts on all of those sports that keep teams together for a certain amount of time. There has to be a compromise. And I'm not saying kids shouldn't get the opportunity to transfer. If your coach leaves and you signed up to play for that coach and he leaves, you should get a chance to leave. If you found yourself in a bad spot, you should get to leave. But can't we limit it in some way so that these kids aren't? I mean, the kid from Mississippi State transferred here to the University of Washington to play for DeBoer, literally will never play, and is already back in the transfer portal leaving again. Yeah, There has to be a way to to mitigate and come up with a good compromise I here. know you thought I was going to disagree with you. No, you're going to agree with that. No, I agree with that. I, I think would. that there are a lot of missed lessons that are happening in the transfer portal. Yes. There's a lot of kids going around, and what you're chasing. How to grit right? through it a little you're, bit. You're, you're chasing. Chasing the NFL. And there's a discussion personally that I always had with my son. You're not chasing the NFL. You're chasing the opportunity to be better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is you're going to do in life, but you got to chase that. When you're chasing NFL dreams, yep. I'm telling you right now, it'll break your heart. And they deserve to get paid. I mean, yeah. the, people shouldn't make money on the backs of free labor. Yeah. And you should be able to transfer. But not every year, every minute. Like, that's just, that. that's not the way sports functions. Uh, is your house packed? You going home? What's up? Everybody's at your house, huh? There's a lot of, uh, tw- yeah, there's a lot of 12-year-olds at my house for a birthday party at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had a little sleepover last okay. night at, the, at the crib. Well, thank you for staying with us. We appreciate when are we, you. When are we get, wait, when are we digging in a, you know, helping your f- spouse eat better? Um, we do that next? Yeah, go do that next. I have to leave, though. Yeah, you want to do it without me? Yeah, we. I mean, you can always hang out. I want to sit here and argue with chefs yeah. more. Make <laughs> Yeah. more mad at me. <laughs> well, that's Mike Salk, everybody. Hey, I don't know if he's going to hang, if he does, or if he doesn't. Either way, it's the best sports program in <laughs> all of the America. The Brock and Salk Show, you can hear it weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. on our sister station, the Seattle Sports Station. It is the Gino Show. G and Ursula show. Chef is here. Nick is here. Ursula will be back tomorrow. So Chef brought this up earlier and we talk about it now. How to motivate your partner to change their eating habits with you. Is there any of you out there? New Year's resolutions are happening and you're like... 
I want my partner to change their eating habits to even help me as well. Well, that's the headline in the Seattle Times this morning as many of us try to make positive changes in the new year. Here's their advice, basically in short. Number one, let your actions speak for themselves. The article recommends, for example, if you're trying to order out less and your partner offers to pick some something up on the way home, let them know you planned ahead and can cook when they get home. Two, be responsible for yourself. Most of us cook or own I cook our own breakfast. We're responsible for our own lunch and we figure out our own snacks. Since dinner is the only meal that we usually share, if you're trying to eat more vegetables, don't stress if your partner cooks a vegetable-free meal. And here's the next one. We all know we should be eating better. You can't educate your partner into eating healthier. If you have tips on what to do to get your partner to eat healthier, go ahead and text those in. 888-973-5476. And, Chef, I'm mm. going to start with the one and it should be two, three, four, and all of them. Is sometimes you hit the check this number one answer. The let your actions speak for themselves is the only way, right? And I think that we hear what people say. They have a plan. But most of the time, we don't really respond to things unless we see those doing. Now, me, personally, with the whole sugar and no bread. By the way, I am on day 15 of no sugar, no bread. Last night, it was hard because my wife was making her famous banana bread, and I brought in some samples oh, yeah, so in good. here, and so brought that in. It was hard last night because I love her banana bread. Like, I, it's one of the, it's one of the best things in the world. <laughs> but anyways, I had a moment. But in my moment, and I've done many things over time with my eating and diet, whatever you want to call it, lifestyle change, diets, whatever you want to call it, I never tell my wife that she should do it to help me. But she does do those things to kind of help me. She'll, like, she'll have her own lunch or breakfast and lunch at work or home. But when it's time for dinner, she will compromise and try to eat what I eat whether it's I've ordered it or she cooks it or whatever, there is the compromise. So she does a good job in supporting me. My eating habits are better than my wife's, but my wife looks way better than me. (laughs) So there's that. But being serious, Chef, the only way is by actions, man. That is the only way. I, I Well, one, good on you for not making her cook differently, even though she doesn't. Uh, and two, not trying to impose it on her. Because the way that I have seen this happen, both in my life and, you know, with friends' lives, etc., is that one person decides, I am eating better, and then they want both of them to do it. And all of a sudden, you're on the paleo diet with me. How dare you cook something for dinner that doesn't fit into my uh, brand new food restrictions? Yeah. I'm on the diet diet or doing it as a family de facto. And don't you dare have that food in front of me that I can't eat. What I find a little challenging about this article is them saying how to motivate your partner to change their eating habits. Like, honestly, do you think that ever works? No. When someone's like, hey, honey, you know, I know that we have been eating kind of poorly together. And so I was thinking that we... 
everybody knows when their partner comes to them and says that what they're actually saying is, I think you're getting kind of fat and I, I, I think I need you to make some changes. But they're just trying to frame it in a way that makes it a we problem instead of a me problem. Right. Um, chef, this journey, brother, that I've been yeah. on the last 15 days. Um, sure, I've had some. And by the way, it's always nighttime. That That's how I know that I have had a real food problem. That's how I know that I've really used food to handle stress. I don't know if there's anybody that can 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 relate to that. Yeah. But my food cravings are at night. In the morning time, in the afternoon time, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm busy. I got stuff going on. There's no problem. But man, towards the end of the evening, that's when the cravings start. I've noticed that in this journey of the last 15 days, number one, because I'm not, I'm, I mean, I, there's some natural sugars that I'm having in some of the fruit, but because I'm not eating so much sugar, my cravings are less, right? That's one. And two, I've really, since I've been watching these things and I'm now starting to be aware of triggers, I'm realizing how unhealthy my relationship with food has been. Mm. Let me give you an example. Yeah. You get a promotion at work. You want to come home and celebrate. How do we celebrate? Dinner, glass of wine, or a drink, right? We, as a society, we celebrate with food. That's like, oh, okay, it was a great day today. Oh, let's go get our favorite this or our favorite that. And I'm not going to put that on everybody else. I mean, these are things that I'm speaking for myself. So when I'm excited, I want food. When I'm upset and stressed out, I want food. When I have a taste for something, I can't stop eating it. So the truth is, is I have had an unhealthy relationship with food. And I think that we've, I've been getting help by what's in the food. It's interesting you mentioned that because my wife has been making some changes with her diet recently, you know, slowly over time. And so she'll keep like a food journal of, of when she feels hungry, when she wants to eat. And she was telling me it's striking how many of the times you reach for something and it's not because of hunger. Like out of the hundred times a day, you think to yourself, I want a bowl of cereal. I'm going to get some peanut butter. I need, man, I really need some chips or I need like some sugar right now. How many of the times throughout the day you're actually reaching because you need something to eat Mm -hmm. and just looking at my own eating habits, it's probably like 10% of the time. Mm -hmm. I don't have a drug addict. I don't have a drug problem. I'm not a drug addict. But it's the closest to me understanding those that are addicted to some type of substance out there. Food is my addiction. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't going to elaborate on the banana bread. But 360 asked me a question. So I'm going to share something with you guys and promise not to judge me. Okay? Now, 360 says, does G like anything on the banana bread or just plain? First... My wife's banana bread is incredible just alone. But me, let me tell you what I like to do. When it's done, I cut up about two to three pieces, thick pieces. I take the skillet out and I put butter in the skillet and I put it in the pan and I fry it up. And then, and then I'll take it out. And then Lillian will make like a sauce 
with like, uh, I don't know what she called it, but it is amazing sauce. And I pour it over the top and then I eat that thing. That is what I'm saying, y'all. You take, you start with a little and you just take it to the extreme. And I'm embarrassed by sometimes my food choices. Some, like sometimes I'll have those two to three pieces of banana bread. Two to three pieces that I'm admitting to you guys. That doesn't include the pieces that I have because I'd go get some water. And by the way, I'm down by the water and I see that there's still a loaf on the bread of, uh, on the stove of banana bread. And I take about two pieces and nobody's looking and don't, don't even put them on a plate. Stop it with the shame, G. I, let me defend gluttony for a second. I mean, even in Catholicism, there is the concept of, you know, carnival, like the celebration before Lent when you give things up. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have a cheat day. Yeah. It's okay to break down one day out of 15 or 30. Overconsumption is okay I can't, on occasion. Yeah. I can't stop it one day, though. That's my problem. I've never heard of fried banana bread before this morning, and now I need to try this. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you. Sounds amazing. Don't do it. Scenarios next. Gina Slip. Scenarios is brought to you by 1 800 DUI Away. Just hanging out here with my brother Chef and my brother Nick here on Dr. King's birthday. Happy Monday, everybody. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Let's get to scenarios. My wife and I have a close friend whom in non-pandemic times we invited over for dinner or cocktails at least once or twice a week. We've spent many holidays together over the last 10 or so years. We love her like a sister. Now, the only problem is she never brings anything to our house. And I mean, never. She also has never invited us over to her house for drinks, dinner, or anything except to take care of her animals when she's gone on either long shopping trips or out of town. Once in a while, like on holidays, we've tried asking her to bring a dessert or something like that, and she acted like it was a real pain. The one time she agreed to bring a dessert, she asked us to pick up the ingredients and said she'd make it at our place. How do we bring up our frustrations with this? We don't want to hurt her feelings, but come on, enough is enough. Your thoughts, 888 973-5476 973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Chef, you up the bat first, sir. I cannot believe the selfishness of this woman. First of all, everybody knows that if somebody asks you to bring something to your house, you do not make it at their house. If it is a salad that needs to be tossed, you can put some dressing on the salad, hit it with the tongs, sprinkle the croutons and the cheese, and you're done. But that's as much making food in somebody's house yeah. that is allowed. Yeah. Uh, how you solve this? Yes. You have a very difficult conversation with her. You just say, you're a wonderful person. We think you're a great friend. Mm-hmm. But we have to admit that we feel taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've noticed that every time you come over, you never bring anything. I am going to assume that this is not the type of woman who goes around the house picking up empty glasses at the cocktail party and bringing them in the sink, let alone doing the dishes, helping take out the garbage, and anything else that a sensible, reasonable friend would do who's familiar with your house and comes over often. Right. So you just have to say, look, it is standard etiquette in this country 
to bring something to somebody's house yes. when you come over. We're not asking you to do it every single time. Okay. The, re- the reason I, I say, like, you have to tell someone straight up, there's a friend of mine that I had uh, years ago, and um, this person would generally dominate the conversation. And I went out with her one time. We had some dinner. And at the end of the meal, I looked at her and I said, I got to tell you something. Do you realize that we just spent two hours talking and you asked me not a single question about myself? Oh, wow. Not one. And she she, it, she was like blown away by it. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I was doing. People don't understand what they're doing until you bring it to their attention. You can't spend years just being frustrated that, oh, my gosh, they're doing this thing that drives me crazy that they think about not at all. Yeah. So I don't really think it's really a problem. Really? I re- no, I don't. I don't really think so. For an example, matter of fact, my buddy Mike, who I always talk about all the time, just text me during a break. Why well, you got to roast Mike every chance you get? Mike Bible is <laughs> one of first and last name. Oh yeah, Mike Bible, my my best friend, one of my best friends, and every time he comes over, he comes over empty-handed, and I love him for it every single time. We all have that person in our lives that might come, and they come over and they don't bring anything. Or they come over and they just, but their presence alone is the present for you, right? And I think that the people writing in in this situation actually love the fact that their neighbor comes over and does this. You want to know why? Because they said it's been happening for 10 years. And now you're mad? No, you're not. You're not mad. You're just trying to figure out to something might have happened petty and that you're like, hey, why, is it, why does this person kind of bring something? It's small. I'm telling you, when you start thinking about your friend, these little things you're never going to talk about. You're going to talk about the conversations. You're going to talk about this person. Maybe they don't bring dessert. Maybe they don't bring a drink. Maybe they don't bring a plate. But they bring a good conversation. They bring a friendship. You know what's hard these days? Friendships. You want to know what's easy? No friends. Appreciate the friendship. How about that? Horse hockey. Well, this just feels like Perk City in this household. Unlimited doggy daycare, endless favors and chores being done for the person. All for what? Just to get the envelope pushed further and further for what can be returned with no favor? If they're having a kind gesture in mind, at least give them a dessert or the flowers. But don't keep the record going until the pettiness keeps going until the end. I mean, you can keep going with your personality, what you bring to the table, but if they want a little something, you don't have to go too far with it. Unless you have a brand newborn baby, Uh or you're coming with puppies or kittens every single time, Uh or you're Taylor Swift, the gift of your presence (laughs) is not enough. Ah, come on. Hey, chef, I need to pay off something with all of you. Yeah. Um... Wait, you weren't here on Friday. Nick, you weren't here on Friday. But did I talk about having to go to the Drew Hill concert at all? Having guys, to go? Having to go. Like, I was I was praying. So, a lot of people were pe- praying for snow because, yes. like you, you have little kids. You wanted that for your kids. Oh, and then some of you guys, like, no work day, whatever the case might be. People like me was praying for the snow because I wanted Drew Hill. It was going to be a concert at the Emerald Queen Casino. I wanted it to be canceled. I didn't want to go. But... My wife bought the tickets with the friends, and they're like, want to go. And I'm saying to myself, please, no. Please, no. I do not want to go to this concert. So Sylvester in Tacoma just texted in and says, gee, how was the concert? First, let me say this. Have you ever not wanted to do something with your significant other, and you're only doing it because they want to go? And then when you end up going, it winds up being 10 times better than you thought it was. 
and all you got to hear then is your wife or your husband saying, I told you so. I told you so. I told you. I love my wife. But if I had to hear her say, I told you so one more time, I was just going to lose my stuff. But I will say, what an incredible concert. I mean, these dudes, they ain't smoking. They ain't drinking. For them to be singing the way that they are today was incredible. You ever go and see some of your favorites from years ago, and you're like, ah, man, (laughs) they've been on some drugs, or they've been doing a lot of drinking and smoking. The voice is gone. Oh, this was incredible. I mean, it it was probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I mean, I was blown away. So... My wife was right. Sometimes you don't feel like going to the beach, but you end up having fun once you get to the beach. I think it's the same way in the bedroom, too. Coming up next on the Gene Ursula Show, <laughs> it's time for Agree to Disagree. It is Gene Ursula. <laughs> 